The scripture reading for today is Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 1 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway from our God, for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. Isaiah writes here to a people, a people who he had prophesied just in the previous chapter, in chapter 39, that they would go into exile. He prophesied that they would go into captivity. He prophesied that they would go into captivity because of their enemy, the Babylonians. The Babylonians would come and capture and conquer Judah and take them off into captivity. And this was because Hezekiah, who was king at the time, and the nation of Israel, Judah in particular, had turned their affections toward the Babylonians. They had turned their affections toward the Babylonians and had sought the Babylonians' favor and had sought the Babylonians' help rather than seeking the favor and the help of God. And therefore, because Hezekiah and the nation had sought the help of the Babylonians and had sought the favor of the Babylonians, God sends Isaiah to Hezekiah to tell Hezekiah, if the, if the Babylonians are what you want, the Babylonians are what you shall have. And he gives them over to their heart's desire. And they would discover very quickly, beloved, that the Babylonians were not their friends. As we always do with sin, don't we? Hmm. God allowed the Babylonians to conquer Judah and to oppress them, and their oppression would be great. Their labor and their warfare, their turmoil inside and outside would be terrible. Hezekiah and Judah would regret their choice of friends. But don't we always, when we choose sin, because, beloved, sin is never a friend. Oh, it proposes to be, promises a pleasure, and in the end only delivers pain. It promises prosperity, and yet in the end only delivers sickness and loss. It promises light, but in the end leaves you in the darkness of night. And this was Judah. who had the broken promises 
of their so-called friends. And they were left in the darkness. They would be left in the pain and the loss. They would be left, beloved, grieving and sick. And to a people who would be in exile and to a people who would be carted off to this foreign land and to a people who would be punished for their rebellion and to a people who would be punished for their idolatry and punished for their sin, to these people who would be longing to hear from God, longing to be redeemed, to these people God would send. Isaiah, this same prophet, and say to them in mercy and in grace, Isaiah, say to my people, comfort ye, comfort ye. Speak tenderly to them, Isaiah. Let them know that it's Christmas Eve. And they probably don't know it. But Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. And there will come a comforter. And he shall comfort my people. Israel was indeed a people under duress. They were a people under the rest. Their warfare was great, the Bible implies here. Their warfare was great because it was a warfare within, within their own souls, within their own communities, and yet it was a warfare without against those who were oppressing them and, and against those who had conquered them. Their sin and rebellion was, was great, and, and therefore they had been conquered and caused great strife and causing great trial. And he looked around and there seemed to be no bomb in Gilead. And they looked around and there seemed to be no comfort in Jerusalem. They were people greatly distressed. We look around us and we too seem to be a people greatly distressed. Oftentimes, we're distressed by the world in which we, we live. Reports of conflict, reports of potential conflicts and of, and of strife and, and, and divisive rhetoric and, and abuse and neglect seem to come across our ticker moment by moment. They pop up on our screens and our phones. It seems that all around us there are reports of senseless death and mayhem. It, if you pay any attention to it for any length of time, you tend to be get, you get uncomfortable. Every morning I turn on the radio and I get more and more uncomfortable with the reports that I hear. Grieving my soul and grieving my spirit, distressing, uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable 
to go certain places at certain times. Because we live in an uncomfortable world. Not only stressed by the world, we're, we're stressed by our own flesh. Stressed by our own sin. Yes, yes, like Pilgrim's Progress, we live in vanity, but we are always being tempted by vanity's fair. <laughs> pulling on my flesh, it's pulling on my mind. The lust and the desires of the flesh are steadily tugging at me every moment of every day, beloved. Many of you this morning are squirming in your seats because of the nature of the flesh and how it continually tugs at us. And so we understand the Apostle Paul when he says in Romans chapter 7 that the, that the good that I should do, I don't do. And that which I shouldn't do, I am pulled toward doing all the time. And I live in a perpetual state of being uncomfortable with my own self. I'm stressed by the world. I'm stressed by my flesh. I'm stressed by the devil himself. There just seems to be constantly this ubiquitous attack of Satan and his minions. He never stops. He's on every hand. And while the cross of, of Christ may have um, declared him defeated, it did not make him inactive. He is ever going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might discourage, whom he might dissuade, whom he might devour. Because we are stressed by the devil, because we are stressed by our own flesh, and because we are stressed by this world, what a good word it is to hear God saying to his prophets, speak tenderly to my people. Speak a word of comfort to my people, beloved. When you are distressed, if you're like me and wearied and troubled or grieved, there is nothing more important than finding a place of comfort. When I'm tired, I want a comfortable chair. When I'm hungry, I want some comfortable food. When I'm sleepy, I want a comfortable bed. And when I fall into sin, when I am distressed by my own flesh, I want to hear a comforting word of grace. I want to hear a comforting word of God's mercy. I want to say, as the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, who will deliver me from this body of death? And I want to hear the comforting word of Christ. Now, therefore, 
there is no condemnation. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to them. To who? Say that again. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. To who? My people. My people, my people, my people. Contrary to what might be popular in Christmas movies and some Christmas music, the promise of comfort was not to everyone and anyone indiscriminately, beloved. But the comforting words are specifically ordained by God saying, comfort my people. Comfort my people. Well, the comfort promised in the Bible are for those who are called my people. Now this is an important distinction to make, beloved, because while being good and being kind to all of creation, God has always been predisposed to a unique and explicit affection and concern towards his people. His people. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, the Bible says, that God declares, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt. Therefore, he commissions Moses. And he gives Moses a word to speak to Pharaoh. In Exodus chapter 7, in verse 16, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Moses says to Pharaoh, sent me to you saying, let my people go. Not the Egyptians, not the Canaanites, not the Midianites. Let my people go. Years, years later, beloved, when Israel would turn from God and turn to idols. God in mercy, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, would say to Solomon, as Solomon is seeking to intercede for the nation of Israel, God would say, if my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. If my people, who are called by my name. So when God wanted the prophet to speak a word of reconciliation, when he sent the prophet to speak a word of forgiveness to the nation, he says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. This is the God of Israel. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Speak 
of the people of God in the Bible, beloved, is never, never to speak of the entirety of the human race. But on the contrary, God says, my people who are called by my name. And the people of God is a term of distinction here, beloved. It distinguishes those whom God has chosen, whom he has called according to his purposes, whom he has lovingly called according to his name. They are those upon whom he has set his affection. They are those who have been recipients of his loving election. We don't know who they all are. When Moses went to Egypt, he didn't know who they all were. When Solomon is praying for Israel, he doesn't know who they all are. When Isaiah is here sent to speak comfort, he doesn't know who they all are, beloved. And every Sunday when we get up to preach the mercy of God and the grace of God as a comfort for God's people, we don't know who they all are. But God knows. God knows. In 2 Timothy Chapter 2 and verse 9, it says plainly, the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows who those who are his. They are those who have prepared for the coming Messiah. For you do understand, beloved, that Christmas is celebrated the world over. The world over, most people are running to and fro as they are seeking to prepare for Christmas. Everybody is singing jingle bells. People are running around and humming. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The fact of the matter is plain, beloved. The comfort of Christmas is really only for those who know the comfort of Christ. Whom God says are called by my name. They are those people. Like Old Testament Israel. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people who walked in darkness but now have seen this great light. They are those people who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, but now upon them this great light has shone. And that light, beloved, the Bible tells us, is the light of the world that has come to light the hearts of men, to light the hearts of God's people. It is that light that the angel came to Joseph in chapter 1 of Matthew, in chapter 21, and told Joseph that you shall name that light Jesus because he has come to save his people from their sins. It is those whom the angels proclaimed 
in Luke chapter 2. As they were out there with the shepherds on that fateful night. In verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who is he pleased this morning with, beloved? They are those who know they need their warfare with God to end. They are those who have come to an end of themselves. They are those who throw themselves upon the mercy of God because they know that God has come offering peace and comfort. They are those who, like the wise men, say every week, where is he who has been born king? If we've come to worship him, they are his people. They are those who have prepared him room. And they're ready. They're longing for the king of comfort. And he's promised to come. He's promised to come for the God of comfort. And the comfort that this God promises to bring is the comfort that his promises do bring. And God said to Isaiah, Comfort ye my people, comfort ye my people, speak a word of peace to my people. But then he said, after you proclaim that peace, let them know that the king is coming. The king is coming. In verse 3, a voice cries. This voice cries out. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is the way of the prophets, beloved. This is the word of the prophet from Isaiah to Zechariah to Micah and Malachi to John the Baptist. The prophet had one job. Prepare the way of the Lord. They had but one job. To make straight the way of the Lord. You do understand that John the Baptist was born before Jesus for only one purpose, beloved. In Matthew chapter, uh, in, in, uh, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 3, it says that he was born so that he might prepare the way of the Lord. He only had one job. Get there first and prepare the way for the coming king because the comforter is coming. The king is coming. The king and the comforter are on their way. And so God says, there's a voice that is crying in the wilderness, call out the heavenly engineers. Get ready. The road construction crews. There is a need for a new highway. This king is coming and he's going places that no man has ever dared go before. He's 
going to desert places where there's never been a highway. He's going to desolate places where there's never been inroads. He's going to make a highway. A new highway. And it's not so much here, beloved, that God is providing a way for us to come to him on this highway. He indeed does that. But here, the highway is not so much so that we might get to him, but that highway is going to be built so that he might come to us. He's coming. He's coming. It's called the Angelic Department of Transportation. We need a highway. It's got to be built in the desert. He's calling for a road where there's never been one before. Beloved, you know when Christ has come, when Christ comes, it's never been done before. God has never come to earth as a man. God has never been born of a virgin. This is a new way. This is a new highway that's going to cut through the desert places of the human heart. It is going to cut through the dead and dry places of our sin. It's going to open up a road whereby he who is comfort will come to his people and speak comfort to them. He's coming with a purpose. He's coming with a plan. The highway that, would, that he would cut would be a, a straight highway. Isn't that what it says? It will be a straight highway. It will be a flat highway. It will be unmistakable. It will be a highway that was so flat and so straight that no one will miss it. The road is a road prepared for the coming Messiah. It's a road prepared for the coming Jesus. It is a road desired for, designed for the glory of God. It is a road engineered for the joy of the nations. You know, this road reminds us, beloved, this straight road. It reminds us that there is only one road to God. There is only one highway to heaven. When Jesus came that first time, he made that highway. But this also reminds us that he's coming back a second time. And he's going to be riding on that highway. And when he comes riding, notice what our text says in verse 4 and 5. You're going to look up and you're going to see that highway. And every valley shall be lifted up. And every mountain and hill be made low. 
the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. In other words, beloved, when the Lord comes riding on that highway, there is going to be nowhere to hide. If you thought that you were going to hide in the mountains, I got news for you, the mountains are coming down. If you thought you were going to hide in the valley, here's the news. The valleys are going to be lifted up. If you thought you were going to be able to hide around the curves, the curves are going to be straightened. If you thought you were going to be able to hide among the rough places, the rough places will be made plain. Do you hear what I'm saying, beloved? The coming of Christ here is not just coming of the baby in the manger, but the coming of Christ here is also the second coming of Christ in glory. And for all God's people, that will be another Christmas of comfort. Lord, level all the mountains. Lord, lift up all the valleys. Lord, make all the crooked places straight. Lord, smooth out all the rough places. Remove all of the discomfort that I may finally stop being hindered from beholding your glory. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. You know the thing about it, beloved? When the Lord comes that time, the Bible says here, and nobody's going to miss it. Nobody's going to miss it. All flesh will see it together. All flesh will see it together. Interesting thing about Christmas time, beloved, they put out all the lights and they put out all the garland and they put out the poinsettias. You walk in every store and they're playing the Christmas music and everybody knows it's Christmas time. And if you run into anybody who doesn't know it's Christmas time, the only reason they don't know it's Christmas time is because they don't want to know. The only reason they don't know what season is and what season it is is because they don't want to know, beloved. And like Christmas, when Christ comes again, nobody will be able to miss it. If you are not prepared for the coming Christ, it is because you don't want to be. If you are caught off guard, at the coming of the next Christmas. It is because you refuse to see. You refuse to hear. You refused to obey. Are you prepared? 
Oh, I'm not talking about are you prepared that you got your Christmas tree lights up. I'm not talking about whether or not you done gone and bought the poinsettias. I'm not talking about if you finished Christmas shopping, beloved. I mean, are you prepared to see Jesus? Are you prepared to meet the Lord in his coming? Are you prepared for all the valleys in your life to be lifted up? Are you prepared for all the mountains in your heart to be brought low? Are you prepared for all the crooked areas of your life to be made straight? Are you prepared for all the rough places where you hide to be made smooth? Are you prepared to behold the glory of the Lord? Are you prepared for Christmas? There will be no excuses, beloved, for not knowing it's Christmas time. When Jesus comes again, there will be no excuses. This is why we sing joy to the world. That's why we sing joy to the world. Our comforter, our king has come. Let earth receive her king. And let every heart prepare in room as heaven and nature sing. Are you preparing room for the coming Christ today, beloved? Oh, I pray now there is no one here who leaves here this morning who is not prepared for Christmas. For he's coming. He's coming. And long before T.D. Jakes ever thought to say it, Prophet Isaiah said to us this morning, get ready, get ready, get ready. Our king is coming. Let's pray.